Welcome everyone to the Art Fight Podcast. We are here in Nashville, which has been recently, uh, as you probably saw in the news, pretty smashed by a tornado that just went right through the city, about a 10-mile run, I think it had. Uh, but anyway, um, it came very close to here, but we're good. Everybody here today is is very lucky, and uh, we're... Uh, Happy to support uh, the charities and the things that are going on and, and the efforts. So, Joe, I know you've been uh, running running supplies in your truck because you're yeah. because you're, you're you have no children and right. you have uh, a flexible schedule. That's right. And so you and I have a truck. Honestly, <laughs> this is just like that whole thing where if, if you have a truck, you find out how helpful you are to people who don't have trucks. Uh, but in cases like this, you so you also realize that it's like, hey, I've got a truck, right? And like everybody need like if right now, if you probably tried to rent a truck in Nashville, it's probably fucking impossible. Oh wow, you know. And I think, and I mean, like a like a moving van or anything like that, you know, mm-hmm. because everything's just I mean everybody's hauling stuff all over the city right now for every number of reasons yeah but um uh but but regardless it's just um I just uh it's it's there's lots of people who want to help and everybody's looking for ways to do it. And almost everybody who hasn't recently moved has stuff they can give away <laughs> you know, yeah. and that they probably want to give away. They're probably even aware of it or mm-hmm. looking for an excuse to do the afternoon on a Sunday when they get that shit together. Yeah. And it's even easier if they know somebody will just come get it for them. Yeah. Everybody's pantry has right. like 40% bullshit. All in that it. too. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, you have a couple weeks of food, go ahead and give up a week of food and, and give it to the people who need that food now not yeah. for you your future self later when you want those spaghettios <laughs> right so yeah. so but the other thing about this too is that uh one of the th- you've kind of alluded to this on twitter today about uh, i mean essentially about people uh, about uh like like uh hold back on your urge to gawk at this thing right and part of that too i think is uh like just stay out of neighborhoods where you don't need to be and when it comes to getting supplies to those neighborhoods, if people who do have bigger vehicles and do have flexible schedules do what I'm doing, then it, it, can, it can cut down on the traffic. So yeah. the idea is that I could go with four or five people's donations and we've got one truck moving into East Nashville and pulling out of East Nashville and you're not in anybody's way. Nice and clean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, if for anybody listening, if if you're not in Nashville and you are like, hey, I've been looking for a way to help people, uh, I know that uh, there's a couple of organizations that have been pretty prominent in this that have, you know, solicited some pretty major donations from major players. So, and they're very mm. legit, um, but also collecting small donations uh, from anybody. Uh, but uh, it's the the Community uh, Foundation for Middle Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is at cfmt.org. You can go there and donate whatever. Right. Uh, that's huge. And then uh, there's also Gideon's Army. Yeah, so Gideon's Army is a, uh, I, I mean, I, I honestly don't know a whole lot to tell you about it, but they are a, a, a church organization based at a chapel up in uh, North Nashville. And if you go to my Facebook page, which is uh, Joe Nolan Nashville, uh, the last post I did was about this whole truck scheme that I'm doing. And I'm taking stuff to North Nashville, to this church, uh, where the Gideon's Army is a community group that's, that's you know, become a focal point for, for donations there. Um, there's, there's any number of ways people can do stuff. We were talking about it before we started the podcast that... 
I, you know, I'm kind of particularly interested in this because North Nashville is an area where there's, you know, uh, already a lot of hardship. And when something like this happens, it's, it's, it's even more dire, even though, and none of us can imagine something so dire. There's degrees of direness. Mm. And so I just feel like, uh, in an area that's been sort of historically underserved, it's, for me, it's just like, I want to be in that area. And frankly, I feel connected to that area because of the fact that it in many ways is sort of the seat of the art community in Nashville, mm. given the fact that Fisk University is there with the best art collection in the city. And so many of our friends who've been on the show are in the North Nashville art community. Mm-hmm. Anyway, regardless, uh, that's where I'm uh, making my runs. I, I did one uh, the other day and I feel like it very confident that it was completely easy to do it. It wasn't like I was getting involved in a whole lot of blocked roads or anything for the most part, passing through downtown is not a big deal. And then I'm just shooting right up DB Todd, you know, into that, that neighborhood. But, um, anyway, so, uh, so it's, you know, it's, 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 seems to be a, a great space. There was a bunch of people dropped off stuff who had dropped off stuff when I got there. Um, so it's definitely a happening thing. So yeah, let me just, we usually say this for the end of the show, but Joe Nolan Nashville on Facebook, uh, mighty Joe Nolan uh, at Twitter and at Instagram. So yeah, if you guys are friends of mine there, or if you just want to message me there and you live, you know, East of the Cumberland river, uh, I can probably come pick up your stuff and take it for you. So uh, just uh, message me directly on those platforms. Awesome. Yeah. So there's just, I don't know what's the, there's, I'm still processing a lot of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's been, it was fucking weird. Uh, you know, it was yeah. like you're, we were asleep. We wake up. The house is shaking. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you knew had sounds like a train. A wind, our window was actually kind of open anyway that night. And then, uh, and then, um, man, and by the time I sort of rattled awake and sirens are on and everything, um, by the time we even sort of got our bearings, it was gone. Were you hearing tornado sirens at that point? Which yeah, was they're, they're right up? there. Yeah. yeah. And it, and the tornado passed right there, mm-hmm. just like right, uh, North, right, right here. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, we were just, we, we missed it by a couple hundred yards, a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right there. The prison here got destroyed. The airport right here got destroyed. All the, you know, there's oh, there's an airport here. Yeah, there's a regional airport and uh, hmm. John C. Toon Airport. It's crazy. They just came out with I don't know how they got this number so quickly, but they basically estimated the damage just at the airport that's right there, less than a mile away from here, uh, at ninety three million dollars. I mean, all right. the planes are just gone. Yeah, yeah it, it looks, looks like, like it looks like a toy airport. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the planes just like some some giant baby just like yes. <laughs> threw them all it's over so the crazy place. man. Oh, Wow. So, and all that's like right. So within just even, so if that thing, would, if the storm would have, if the tornado would have gone just a tick south, it would have ripped right through all of this, this residential area and it would have been really, really, really bad. Uh, so we're sort of, I'm in this kind of weird spot where it's just kind of like, gosh, that was so close to just losing everything and possibly getting killed, killed. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. which will ruin your whole day. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's, you know, that's about as much as we really have, I guess on that, but I mean, uh, maybe it's a good, uh, also time to sort of welcome you. Uh, so, uh, I don't know whether you prefer to go by your alias or by your name or, uh, I'll stick with black cat. Yeah. I'll just call you black cat. Uh, you didn't just come up with that though. That's been your name for a long time. And uh, and welcome. Uh, thank you for being here with us today on this uh, special edition of uh, Whoa. 
I, you know, you're not supposed to pick your own name, but I definitely just conjured it. You conjured at, it at like I don't know around 18. And the full name is Black Cat Sylvester. And um, in short, you uh, you you do a lot of things, but I would say. Uh, as much as you're obviously like a prolific musician and artist, uh, I always like to introduce you to anyone else. Like I just did to, to Joe here, you know, where it's like, I like to introduce you first as an inventor. Cause there's not a lot of people that that's a way less common title that people can actually warrant lately. So anyway, I just think it's, that's the, that's a, it, a lot of what I want to sort of get into you uh, or get, get into with you today, because it's, it's your, your creative struggle and your entrepreneurial struggle and the way that those things have been correlated for a long time now, is super interesting. So we definitely want to hear uh, all about it. We, and if you're, if you don't cry uh, by like halfway <laughs> through, um, then what we'll do is we'll, we'll just pause everything uh, and then we'll, we'll make that happen and then we'll kind of cut back in. We need so. Sarah McLaughlin music in the background. <laughs> yeah. Please donate. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I guess uh, maybe the, the operative question or place to start is just to kind of go, okay, uh, uh, you're an inventor. What did you invent? Tell the people, tell, because Joe doesn't, Joe doesn't know. Okay. Uh, Usually Joe knows all. I don't know about this. This yeah. is a, this is brand new. Yeah. Are you familiar with scratching? Like, you know, oh, fret, 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 fresh. Yeah, yeah. Turntableism. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so <laughs> that at best is like scratching is like the wrapping of percussion. So it's a tonal. It can be a little melodic, but mm-hmm. you can't really play an equally tempered melody. Mm-hmm. Or so let me go. So like you have like 12 hours of time you have, you know, you also have 12 notes in music and you could like add times that by however many. So if I want like, you know, 48 notes within a circle, I could, and that would be like four octaves of a scale. Mm -hmm. And so the position of my record allows me to pick which note and the crossfader and my hand movement adds expression and the note on and off. Mm. So I can solo an equally tempered mm-hmm. uh, scale. But still with the, the same, machination same of exact, scratching. Yep. That's right. I like that. The synth table. The synth it, table. As it were. <laughs> very generic. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's very kind of Germanic too. It's just like synth table. <laughs> right. Thus is the synth table. <laughs> yeah. If you had like a, do you have a, a version of the um, synth table that has sort of teak sides or something yeah no that sounds fucking beautiful it needs to be like a euro <laughs> rack edition yeah. did you, now, now did you actually do you have a prototype i do i have um an old old prototype that doesn't really communicate with a computer and then i have other two other prototypes that do communicate with a computer mm-hmm. so it's like part software are you are you taking an old like deck and and just enabling it to talk to the computer. Is that what's going on? Yeah. So, I mean, like the mechanical thing, are you building a new thing or are you using an old thing and like bending it into the new expression? I want to just, aug- <laughs> yeah. I just want to augment the current setup. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of money's already spent on DJ gear. It's mm-hmm. a, it's an expensive hobby to be into. Right. So you're very reluctant to buy anything new mm-hmm. and scratch DJs. Honestly, we're the worst 
people. We were very critical. <laughs> you know, like we're assholes. Yeah. Uh, that, so that's the thing. A scratch DJ is different than a, than a, just a DJ. There's yeah, a, yeah. They're like the they're like the athletes. You know, okay, yeah, I like it. That's why you're on the Art Fight podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like they're artists. Some are artistic, but mm-hmm. some of them are very battle uh, competitive. Because the whole culture is based on like battling, so mm-hmm. it has like this very athlete you know, gladiator, like I'm going to kill my uh-huh. opponent. I think of it as like almost yeah. like, like breakdancing is a proximate thing to that. That yeah. is sort of, it can be an individual expression, but it also can be a competitive. Right. Uh, that whole early hip hop culture was all competitive. Very, or, you know, it could be competitive. Yeah. Well, and it still yeah. is. Mm-hmm. It, and that's personally, I think needs to kind of like, uh, uh-huh broaden a little bit you know so like hey guys like write a song mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or something now, i'm not necessarily the broadest like contemporary hip-hop listener in the room but can you tell me uh like how prominent is scratching in contemporary hip-hop music because obviously it was a staple of early hip-hop music it was one of the things that defined rap I, music in the 80s right, right? It's, so i think it kind of I think with the rise of EDM, the idea of like mm. having to be like so virtuosic with your equipment kind of fell to the wayside. Mm-hmm. And it also came across as like, you know, mas- masturbatory, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, like the scratching did. Yeah. The scratching. Uh-huh. Guy. Yeah. Cause like they would be at a party and then instead of playing what the crowd wants to hear and keeping uh, yeah, yeah. the audience it's like, it's engaged. Like, no, it's about me. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like just the entire show is just masturbating in front of the crowd. Like, I'm doing a backflip, triple right. click flip. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, I love that analogy. I love that. That's a good analogy. That idea that it's like like a skateboarder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I yeah. mean, and it's cool if you're in the know. You're like, oh man, did you see what he did? Right, right. But yeah. to but someone who it, wants to dance, it doesn't right. matter. I love how like sort of uh, primitive and, and sort of incidental technologies or uses of technologies. I mean, scratching as a you know is so pure in its its kind of happenstance, mm-hmm. and it's it's. It was, it was there, uh-huh. you know, like that was just what, <laughs> and so I, I love that about it. A unit made more than anything an, from Edison's time is recontextualized yeah. to be this like quote unquote instrument. Yeah. yeah. And the belief of it being an instrument has propelled it to become more of an instrument. Right. <laughs> it's kind of odd in that sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think that um, for, for me, it seems like every new form like that has sort of a, a caveman kind of Neolithic sort of period, right? And right. then, uh, and then as people get, as the aesthetic is sort of cultivated, while at the same time the technology and the uses become more varied, then over time there's some weird point of culmination that any new form has, where now it's it's recognized as this form. And I think that maybe what you're talking about when you say, you know, your instinct now is to think like, oh, just, will you please just go write a song? <laughs> I, but I think that what you're kind of saying makes sense. It's sort of like uh, the lanky adolescent period of turntablism is probably well over now. And so like it's about pushing into what's next and what's next. And it's hard to get people to flip the switch. Well, and there is. So if you go and start searching scratch DJs, you'll start seeing that there's more and more wanting to be quote unquote considered musical or musicians. And so they're taking samples of a organ and trying to flip it in a musical way and, and use cue points to trigger the different notes. So like you have a sample from that's 
of an organ from three minutes long and it's going through like da 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 and then they set cue points on every single different note and then they hit the cue point then scratch it hit the next cue point scratch it so like these are signs that people want to be more musical and, or at least melodic right well less of a tambourine and more like less mm-hmm. rapping let more singing mm-hmm. you know so also expressive yeah and more nuanced ways yeah because i mean only for so long can you scratch atonally and be unless you have white noise which generally is all frequencies so you can get away with that and be like the the sweep guy you know what does that mean meaning like you know you can scratch but percussively and then maybe get some delay and then you know the downbeat of the next section oh the sweep yeah and then maybe the riser guy <laughs> so that's an easy thing to do with scratching with a band is right off the bat, but you can't really like play notes. You have to really think about how your sample is and where your cue points are. And then you have to have the muscle memory to fucking perform that mm-hmm. when you can make it a little bit more intuitive. Mm. Is there a, a, sometimes a point where you're just like, why am I not just playing a synthesizer right now? Oh yeah. I threw the fucking turntable out the window. I played with jam bands with the Rhodes for a while. I was like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's like stage one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Grief I, stage one. Right, Rhodes jam band. <laughs> right, right. I was in a, I was, I was in a jam band. I took mushrooms. I learned what the blue note was in the midst of my high on mushrooms. Like, oh, I get it. It's that note. Okay. I just kept hitting it for a fucking 20 bar. Later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I found it, guys. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. Well, so then, and then also, you know, you've been putting out music and a lot of, I think you, you've been a, a presence here and then worked on a lot of big projects and all that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe you can give listeners sort of a baseline of musically w- what you're doing, what you have done and kind of where you're trying to get with it. Because it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know, for me, it, it's it embodies actually a lot of what you're actually talking about like you know this okay now write a song <laughs> you know what i mean but you you're not just saying it and hoping that somebody jumps off this cliff in a particular way like you're doing it with with what you're doing uh but i will say that it's less uh futile than jumping off of a cliff as i just talked about man if you talk to me around 2014 i mean i've been making music since the second i could destroy my mother's computer as a child um, Microsoft sound recorder, like just recording noises with that. And, you know, just, I was obsessed with sound. I would listen to the feedback on a rock song and the background of the song, the feedback tone would be like the thing I was interested in. And I would have a cassette deck and I'd pause, record my favorite section just over and over and over till the entire tape was that one section. And I'd go to sleep listening to that, like completely psycho. <laughs> but that, like I didn't like any other part of the song I just wanted to hear that one sound <laughs> yeah no I, don't, I have I have a weird thing kind of like that in the sense that uh, uh, especially back in the day when you had uh, tapes and records and that's all you kind of had uh, I don't know what it was about the 80s music especially but a lot of the coolest shit that happened in any of those songs was in these fade outs uh, radio meant you had these more performative fade outs, these more prolonged fade outs. Oh, and that's when the tracks. horn was creeping in. You're like, no, don't fade that out. No. Yeah, because like the medium now, like people don't do that nearly as much because the there's not a continu- continuity of a moving part that, you know, a singular listening sort of source of media. Now it's just everything's shuffle, skip, next, whatever, and right. I don't even have any media. So uh, I think that the long fade out is sort of a lost art. And and every every band has these, 
like I grew up listening to like the police and Genesis and rush and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and for me, it was always about what was happening at the, in the last strains of the, the fade outs. Cause you could tell the band was generally starting to loosen up or they were going to start hitting some weirder notes. Right. It was like the, the place where they could kind of play a little bit. You could tell they were starting to improvise. The intensity was like yeah. in the pocket. And it really magnetized me ultimately towards, uh, a lot of improv music or, um, just stretching or, you know, having uh, a similar sort of, so I would record a lot of the, the best parts of sort of these long fade outs and oh, create little mixes that way. Oh yeah. So I can relate to that. Oh, it's always the fade outs with like, there's like a Bob James song where like the, there's like a fade out and like this huge ensemble of brass like starts creeping and I'm like, Oh, that's the best part. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've all had those moments um, uh, where we think we know better than, Duran Duran or whatever. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. I mean, I. It's part of the music making process. Is like, well, like I want to do it the way I want to do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you've been do- so uh, your first recording that you put out self released under Black Hat came out when? Um, I guess last year. So I mean, if you talk to me like two thousand, I guess rounding back around the circle. If you talk to me about like. 2014 like I hadn't really taken personally my own kind of music even a thought didn't even write songs I just made I just I don't know I wrote ideas and then that was it but you're saying somebody's you know I didn't just like wait for somebody to start writing songs it was like well I guess I'm gonna have to like start writing songs like it was kind of like at first kind of like the hurdle and I was a little bit like (laughs) Well, you, you mean you're fish to water or whatever with it, you know, it's like, it's pretty, you've got, um, I don't know, we always talk about it in terms of like, you know, French chords or whatever you like, <laughs> like how French are the core, how French sounding are the chords. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like, uh, uh, but that's, but that kind of explains it to me in, in, in the sense that, that it's, it's all, um starting to musically stretch out of this other sort of idiom, but you know, but you've been playing a lot of live shows and stuff too. I mean, like would in terms of Nashville, you've been here for how long now? Oh, I'm a rare unicorn. Exactly. So, so when, by the way, side note, my, we saw one of this, we saw a person with that shirt on in Nashville. uh, People run around with these shirts that have unicorns on them. And then it says like Nashville native or just native or something. Really? And, uh, and <laughs> I need one. And my, my wife just recently, we were out somewhere and saw somebody with one on and then it just kind of clicked. Oh, we were, yeah, we were voting and, uh, it kind of clicked and she, she was like, Oh, that's what that's about. Jesus. Uh, but anyway, so, um, but yeah, so, and then you're working on a project right now with a, uh, a previous guest of the podcast, uh, cool Keith, you're working on a cool Keith project. Oh, right. Like you're kind of like a, a henchman, a secret weapon kind of like <laughs> enforcer, uh, kind of character. Like where you, you come in and slay on a lot of other people's projects. I feel like, uh, an agent Smith sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of behind the scenes. Can you tell us what you're doing with cool Keith? I mean, I, a buddy of mine that I used to work with hit me up and he's like, Hey man, I'm working on this record, do some scratches. And it, it was just not, and then it was like oh shit that's badass man uh small world uh-huh and he told me the story of like just contacting cool keith and negotiating the deal to make the record and i was like is that easy 
<laughs> wow. Awesome. I, he's he's the realist in so many terms that cool Keith is. Like, it just, there's no veneer. There's, like, I don't know. He, yeah, no, I mean, my buddy, he was like, he couldn't believe he was really talking to cool Keith either. Like, he had, at first he thought he was like, surely I'm, this is, like, not cool Keith and someone else perpetrating his cool key so yeah he'd have to like cross check like his emails and like dates on the website he's like no it's the real real cool keith he's cool as shit (laughs) (laughs) that's right well yeah i I just love that he's so open Uh, you know a lot of people once they kind of get famous for certain things they'll just start repeating that thing i love how he's hell bent on just the the future what is next you know yeah no he's really embraced the future forever yeah and his seltzer water video yeah. is the most profound. 98-year-old <laughs> refrigerator. It is the most profound thing. If, go on YouTube. Anyone, uh, you, can just, you can just turn off the podcast right now, actually. I would, <laughs> it's fine. But go to YouTube and, and just search for 98-year-old refrigerator. And it's kind of almost like a short film in a weird way. But it's a cool Keith kind of thing where he offers some of the deepest uh, life uh, wisdom uh, that I've ever 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 uh i mean it's essentially like how to how to keep people from eating your junk food yeah yeah i mean it is profound it's brilliant yeah anyway so go check that out 98 year old refrigerator but anyway so you're working with uh uh with with this project and you know when when you do that is it just are you really just kind of being a, a paintbrush for them or is it something where you're kind of being brought in to lend your own thing or maybe a little bit of both is it kind of more, do you feel like it's utility more than expressive or, how, you know, how are you, how are you relating to this project and then other things that you do? Cause I mean, honestly, a lot of people should be, I mean, you know, uh, you should be like the secret sauce on so many projects. I mean, if you're, if you're pressing the record button on me and I'm simply as a performer, it's, you know, one thing, you know, if I can get my hands on it, then I can definitely like really thumbprint it with personality because you know at the end of the day it's like editing is a huge part of what ends up being the impression that you leave on people so someone editing someone else's take isn't always the same as you editing your own take it is so precarious in all mediums i mean i i hate giving footage to people when they're just like oh just give me the footage you know for like drone things that i do or whatever and absolutely people use stuff where it's like no like that was a false start or that was i wasn't even <laughs> like you're using stuff that i wouldn't yeah. even re- like it is i thought you would know better than to use the, the right. stuff that's obviously like, not the, the stuff the one where my shoe <laughs> was in it you know or whatever right. you know like just it's like what the hell so uh that is a precarious place and i am and, and people the thing i hate about it is people make you out to be sort of a control freak and it's like no but nothing will happen correctly in my absence i'm not sure if that makes me a control freak but it's just kind of a fact they constantly gaslight the creative class brian <laughs> yeah. constant gaslighting yeah, I, just, I hate i hate that i and, and the worst thing is having your i've had to have i've had things where i've said take my name off well and and to be clear as far as this project like there's no regret or anything like that. It, if anything, I I embraced the fact that I couldn't have that kind of control. And, you know, even even though it's not what I would edit, it's like I respect my friend and everything's so... Oh, I'm sorry. That's the difference between what I'm talking about and what you're talking about because you actually respect... No, just, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I just... Yeah, he's, talking, he's talking about the other thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, 
but no, that's, that's, a key, that's the key difference. Then that is an experience to turn your stuff loose to an, an interpreter that you actually respect. Feel like you'll get something back from yeah. those choices and, and modes of present presenting your work in ways that you would never think of, you know, or just in a style or in a, a level or whatever it is. Well, sometimes you just have to let go, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and isn't it fun? I mean, now, and now that you've gone through the effort of like, like I had, now I have to write songs. Now I'm like an artist doing my own thing. Isn't it? is it kind of cool to like then flip the script on yourself and just say, fucking just use me and tell me what to do. And like, just yeah. become just pure, you know, just a pure instrument for somebody for else them or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you find that? I'm not trying to put words in. No, your mouth. no, no. Just I mean, I spent a good, I'd say a good portion of my life being a vessel before I even decided to do black mm-hmm. cat as mm-hmm. an artist or anything like that. Right. So, I mean, I like shoot, uh, Roy Wooten, for instance, that was a vessel for mm-hmm. like almost a full decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, and I learned a lot, like classical, kind of like ingrained in my my soul after that whole experience. You know, mm-hmm. I can't necessarily, I guess, write a classical composition like the stuff we worked on that Roy had, mm-hmm. but I understand it much right. better. Yeah, and yeah. I I can hear the stops and pulls before I remember Roy be like, "Yeah, it needs to pause right here." I'm like with a hip hop kind of perspective, like for real, like <laughs> we just started grooving. Yeah. Man. Like, like, okay. Like, oh. and I kind of, I, I like rebelliously, like in spite, like do it like, Oh, fine. And then yeah. I'd be like, actually, that's kind of dope. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're like, what is this? I, I, the stench of refinement around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've been, one of the things I want to make sure that we get into uh, like I kind of alluded to at the top was uh, your your sort of art fight in, in terms of uh, your invention and then how, you know, I don't want you to say anything, obviously, that uh, can't be said or publicly disseminated uh, if that gives any fore- foretelling about sort of how fun this has been for you to the audience. But um, so obviously, you know, it can be as cursory as it needs to be, but you've had a, a, a mountain of, of challenge with your, like, like, everybody's like, Oh, how do you get an invention off the ground? And it's like, well, it's not about how it's just about, do you have the guts and the fortitude to even do it? Yeah. Cause I mean, all right. Like, like, let's say you do actually invent something great. Well, to any like business guy, they don't care unless it's like, it's a marketable. It will be the first question that comes out their mouth. And like, you don't really think about like, well, duh, of course it's marketable. You have to like really get them a case study, like example and presentation. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just didn't think of that. Like I, I, I got the intellectual property. I was like, okay, got that. that like, that's what matters. Like, so now I can approach a company and da 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 da. And it's like, no, they don't care. I mean, I mean, they care. Hence, they had the conversation because, like, oh well, he's got patents. Like, you know, let's have a meeting and talk with him. Mm-hmm. But you know, then it finally came that's down. That's rad. You got a patent. That's cool. <laughs> well, you know, it, that's actually not that hard mm-hmm. compared to everything else. <laughs> everything else. That's the easy part. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Well, um, just so give, tell the story. I mean, in the way that you can tell it. I mean, so you invented the synth table and then you got a patent and then you started taking it to market. And then what happened? Well, Where I, were you? No. N- never haven't taken it to market, but I have like, you know, the business plan and all the numbers associated to take it to market now. It, it's been a journey yeah. just to get to this point to finally figure and how out how long 
Well, so the first patent was 2014, went out, started shopping to different companies and then realized, you know, okay, need to like really think out the business side of it. So mm-hmm. that, you know, and I went to India thinking like, <laughs> Oh, this is where India came in. Yeah. Like I went to India thinking like, you know, coders are, you know, I have some connections to coders and coders are substantially cheaper, you know, go figure and I'll give this a shot. And well, it just didn't work out and came back, re-strategized and got with a, a few people in the industry here in the States and um, now have an actual business plan. So that started maybe a year and a half ago to two. That project is so uh, like multidisciplinary. When you say in the industry, do you mean digital industry or music industry? What industry? Musical are- merchandise. Oh, okay. There we go. So yeah, right on. Um, Nam. Yeah. Winter Nam and Summer Nam. Summer Nam's here in Nashville. It used to be really big back in the mm-hmm, day. For sure. And then they just said, you know what, let's just keep it to Anaheim. So mm-hmm. now if, you, if you're if you not into guitars, ukuleles, and cowboy boots, you go to Winter Nam. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And so that's a, that's a trade show ultimately for uh, all manufacturers of all music things. And that's a wide span of technology or uh, merchandise now that technology is... Uh, what's considered music equipment now is not just Marshall stacks and Les Pauls anymore. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. there's, it's, it's really a merging of uh, technology and a lot of, I mean, there's still so much innovation Mm -hmm. uh, that is happening. That's why I think it's, is amazing. I think you're primed and in a perfect spot really. Um, And what you've done, you know, there's a subculture for it. There's a history for it. And there's people that want to bridge the gap. And maybe if they right. start there, as opposed to sort of in the sort of evolutionary first steps of turntablism, they, they, they're not, they don't have to, whatever. Right. They're not even using real, sort of get them to the bridge, the gap between synthesizer right. and turntable. Right. I think that's cool. Because the, the, the physicality of it and, you know, you got a crossfader and you got, you know, like it's, 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 it's a position. It's, it's got all the uh, ingredients there to make a full pizza pie. There yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, I would say a lot of people consider themselves either a keyboard player or I made scratch DJ or whatever, uh, or just a DJ DJ. Right. But, um, there's going to be a point though, where there's some kind of melding or fusing is going to happen to where a new identity is born that, that is, to me, it just seems like synth tableism or whatever to be the synth tableist would be to me like that seems like a role that seems yeah. like a there's yeah. going to be people who are going to be like whoa that's what i've been looking for right yeah. Yeah. like in the same I mean, way that's that, what you're counting on i suppose <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it seems it seems likely <clears throat> yes but, but not in this sort of, but not <laughs> yes. in this black key white key kind of mm. uh old you know not that there's you know what i'm saying well it's a so, configurable, customizable. You can control like how many notes are and what scales and what sounds are assigned. To, I mean, it's Tony infinite. Ferguson would be good at it. You took it, yeah. That's your guy. Get Tony Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Call him ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so 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 then you've got like all this set up now. So then so then what? Um, honestly, uh, just keep grinding. I I have just to essentially follow through with the next steps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I want to, let me, let me interrupt. I just wanted bit. to invest real quick. Sorry. 
Number go ahead. Sorry, Mr. Chase. Please send money here. <laughs> um, you, I feel like, I think part of it's just because we are in Nashville and we're in the music culture. And so I think we see more of this than, than many people might. But it feels like in the last, say, at least the last three years, if not more, I see a lot more of what, like maybe you would call it like hybrid instruments happening where it's like, Oh, you like playing guitar? Check this out. You know (laughs) what I mean? And here's this crazy mini synth guitar that translates guitar playing into any number of things, et cetera, et cetera. You see, it just seems like there's a whole emerging market of, can I, what what do they call them? They call them hybrid instruments. What do they call them? No, that's a good way to describe it. I don't know what you would call it exactly. Das hybrid instrument. Isn't there another? <laughs> what is the other? Uh, why can't I remember it right now? There's somebody in Nashville that invented something that seemed to be successful yeah, for a minute. That's Artifone. Yeah. Artifone. That's, I think that's and what I'm thinking of. So, yes. And they just got another round of investment from Warner. And it's huge. So who knows what they got like, going? Did you say Warner? Yeah, like Warner Music. Oh, okay. So they got <laughs> they got their investment from a record label, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, it makes me wonder, like, is there like some kind of like plan to introduce these instruments with artists? You know, or I don't know. Yeah, interesting. What's the um, what's the thing that Peter Frampton uh, the talk box talk box? Yeah, electro spit. Have you seen these guys? They've invented this thing where you stick on your neck, like uh, kind of like a weird band. So you don't need to do the old form of like connecting to a talk box. It's amazing. So you can go anywhere. You don't have to fake the funk. You can play the funk. (laughs) Wait, so, okay. Can you start from the top again? You put it on your neck? Yeah. So, you know, this is catching the vibration instead of like like a collar or what is it? Yeah. It's like a fabric. It's a, it's like a weird, I think of it like a, those Bluetooth headset kind of things that wrap around your neck but a little bit thicker and it has sensors so it picks up your vibration and so then are you still playing an instrument through that and then using the talk box to be wah 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 like the guitar or whatever so you get that old Zaff and Rogers sound Uh, and more you know yeah interesting and you don't have to fill your mouth up with a tube with real sound right yeah which is impressive but a really complicated yeah. connecting process yeah that is it is really complicated well the thing is okay so if, if the talk box tell you talk box versus synth table i feel like uh synth table wins and talk box we everybody knows what that is and you can assign it to an artist and say peter frampton right right so i mean i mean i guess there's other masters of the talk box in fact <laughs> Uh, wait, wait. That's a compilation album I'm going to create. Masters the of the Talk Box. Masters of the Talk Box. <laughs> Peter Frampton. And also <laughs> Peter Frampton. <laughs> yeah, Joe, have you ever used one? Well, you have a harmonica that's essentially yeah. like a country. It is, yeah. It's a country talk box. It's like a talk box out here. Your country blues talk box. Or like, box a, right like, a, like a harp, like a ba-dong, ba-dang, ding <laughs> Man, so, uh, yeah, the, 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 so for you, uh, when, when you're talking about setting up this, when you present the synth, the synth table can kind of do anything. I'm just curious about like, what, so if you can do anything, then how do you choose what to do? Do you have certain libraries of sounds or modes that you kind of operate in as a baseline that make it almost like have a native sound or, uh, yeah, does I mean, that make sense? I have like a handful of presets I've created so I can easily access them. You know, like a drop of a dime. Yeah. And, and these are things you've cultivated out and t- 
tuned and right hours know, shaped a lot of the sound fatigued hours of yeah. <laughs> just like looking at numbers like Ugh. yeah but see but that's that's the same part of your brain though that like as a kid when you're talking about listening to those snippets over and over again mm-hmm. like that's where the super uh human skill is that you have for that still pays off because you can when you're people don't realize i don't think like if you're a person that's sort of shaping sound it, it can be like you shouldn't have a significant other within one mile of whatever you're doing because it's going to be mind numbingly, uh, sort of maddening. I feel bad for anybody that hears me working on stuff because it's not musical. It's completely psycho. It's just just kind of like tool shop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm working on the leaf than the tree. So if you're at a distance hearing what I'm doing, it's like, is he even working on music? <laughs> yeah, did he just f- collapse on top of something? <laughs> Where the keys are just stuck? Like, what's happening? Someone should call someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, geez. I don't know. I just think it's interesting how... Uh, I think that's one of the sort of mistakes that I think a lot of these kind of controllery things, music controller things, uh, instruments uh, have is... Um, I think maybe I'm old or something, but I feel like an instrument should have like a native sound or array or palette or color or some purpose or something. And to just be like, well, you can interact with it in the way that's comfortable for you. Like you can tap on a desk, but it'll sound like a drum set from like a Megadeth record. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. Death desk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll put I, a hex on you if you're not careful man hex desk <laughs> hex desk yeah I just wonder if that's like um, part of the, the challenge is or or is that even a component of what you're trying to accomplish to build a native palette or sensibility or musical vocabulary or style because I mean you, you know you're talking about uh, doing something that's based on something else but it's not that so with all these notes and all these choices, you you have to make a choice. You, like you said, you have these presets, but oh, it's like as far as like what, what scale do I play, and or just do you feel like uh, how much have you sort of contemplated how you are sort of creating the idiom for which an artist would relate to this thing, if that makes sense? I mean, so if I'm understanding correctly, like how do I choose like a scale or a sound for the moment kind of thing? Uh, yeah, or like. Uh, let's just say for a bad example, like your presets, one, your first preset is kind of like some, it's essentially like Moog type sounds or whatever ish, you know, kind of Juno, kind of whatever synthesizer type of sounds. And then, then I got my Skrillex bass line lined up right uh, next. But like, <laughs> right, like, <laughs> yeah. Just, does the synth table have a demo mode <laughs> where you just press play and he goes, boop, 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 you know, like does all the things. And has a lot of flash. Does it have a lot of flashing lights? I can get back to you on a week. It's like a Simon. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll devise a Vegas uh, feature in the next week. Yeah, yeah, Vegas <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just feel like if you can, and if you invent something that's essentially just a way of generating sound, but the you could have it playing human voices. You could have it playing a symphony. You could have it playing Coke cans. Right. You could have it be. You could have it be any sample or any instrument of any kind for anything. So do you feel like if there's, uh, like, is there kind of a native, it seems for you like it's more synth, uh, pure synth in a lot of, in a lot of the tones. Yeah. So, I mean, I could play piano, um, but being Pete, you know, I'm going to want to like somehow bastardize that piano. So I might like, 
put a parameter for like detuning or a parameter for um you know bending like some kind of portamento feature to the piano well we're getting into deep shop talk now but, but basically but, but you're just saying like notes and like what, what if they're kind of bandy or not but it's it's yeah you know because the piano's <laughs> the piano's fixed it's equally yeah, tempered right. it can't bend and you know i like a lot of bending with yeah, my yeah. expression right, so right. playing a piano with a synth table for me unless i'm doing a goofy parody scene of like vinyl tap instead of spinal tap you know when I play, I play D minor, the saddest, you know, yeah. like, I'm not going to play a piano, but like I can solo and shred like a motherfucker with like a, a synth lead. So I, I generally opt for that. And, you know, my modulation and uh, morphing of that synth lead is, you know, divvied out differently per pre preset. Yeah. So maybe one preset, you know, my hand movement not only controls like pitch, but it also controls, you know, um, the filter so it kind of gives it more of like a scratching kind of like envelope feel so that can carry i can do like certain type of scratch techniques so the sound the synthesizer has like the scratching sound but at the same time it's also playing a melody it's really fucked mm -hmm. up <laughs> no that makes sense yeah i dig i dig all the like the fact that you you know that you talk about how like when you zoom in on like what's going on with that action of scratching that it's, that's actually as athletic as it is and as pos as, uh, as eloquent as it might be, you know what I mean? That you can actually like, cause when you start saying like, Oh, well this voice, I do this kind of a thing. And with the other voice, I would do it differently. And it's like, well, that's to me, that's like, that's like, saying when I play the saxophone, I use different techniques given different styles of music. And it's like, right. so it's very much like you're talking like somebody talking about playing an instrument, not somebody, you know, just uh, telling a computer what to do or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Rock like, band. Go. Exactly. 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 <laughs> Playback versus playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And performative, you know, I mean, I think that's, I think that's part of, uh, that's part of why music's cool, man. <laughs> you know, Right. People are doing things and you can, and the evidence is there and you're like, yeah, he, he nailed it. <laughs> yeah. well, and if you, and if, if you like research, just not even scratch DJs, but just DJ in general, the, the, what are you, the saying, uh, the blanket over the eyes, like, uh, people are hip to the notion that DJs are just pantomiming. Mm -hmm. So that has made a lot of people self-conscious when they're DJing. So they figure out how do I up the ante? So they may bring out a mo Yamaha motif next mm. to them to look more official or some MPC pads to make mm. them, you know, like they're, they're trying to find ways to feel like they're ex adding more expression than just mm. hitting play. Uh -huh. Now you take the scr scratch DJ. That's like the extreme of mm. that DJ. Who's like, yep, I'm not pressing play. I'm doing yep, 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 making yeah. potatoes and pizza <laughs> yeah. over my head and doing a backflip and, yeah. you know, going wicka, 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 wicka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they can be a bit extreme because then they're like very aggro, you know, like, uh -huh. you know, so there's, you know, there's also, mer mer there's something to the way that it's press play DJs yeah. have that the scratch DJs don't have, like they know how to read a crowd versus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Versus attacking the crowd. Right. <laughs> like, it's like doing, doing a backflip at the dinner table and wonder why yeah. no one's into yeah. it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is not even a comedy, guys. This is for real. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think... Um, I think the the press play people the, and there's there's gradients in between, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's ways that people stitch things together. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a that space with the stuff that I do with the my those those drones 
project, but it's, it's, it's definitely stuff that I've set up, but it can happen a lot of different ways. And what I'm actually using even on recordings is essentially something that was performed. Right. Yeah, for uh, sure. It's not fully, it's a, it's sort of assembled piece by piece and, you know, labored over in whatever way, but mm. then there's a lot of different ways that it can happen. And also mm. like the, uh, I enjoy how things like that, that are maybe, uh, things that are quantized or running on a sequence just by having, just by kind of getting weird with some of the buttons and using them in ways that they're not supposed to be used. You can create these reactions in the machine or these correlations between different patterns yeah. that are not intended and not entirely predictable. Um, or if you kind of get it locked in, you better be tracking that because you're never going to be able to do this again. You're doing some magic, weird, uh, subdivided math of shit, right. polyrhythmic, whatever. And there's something really cool happening. Catching butterflies. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Well, Mr. Dibbs calls it that, which I, <laughs> I've, been, I've been just using that phrase I ever like since. Because he makes circuit bent instruments and they make the oh, weirdest sounds sorry. and they might fry out, you know, just cir circuit out and be destroyed and some of the craziest sounds come out of that thing when it happens mm. so he would just start pressing record whenever he started circuit bending work and catch butterflies mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's such a that's it's it's uh i guess it's kind of abstract painting or something in a way well there's there's weird anomalies that create weird awesome moments in music or video like if yeah. i if my computer hard drive died out and then I had to retrieve all the pictures from it, they're probably going to be scrambled. And it's cool. It's like a, an effect that I would have probably paid somebody to do. Mm -hmm. But it's an anomaly by the fact that it got deleted and then undeleted. Um, Is that real? Yeah. No, totally. I can show you pictures on my computer of... Restored uh, data that just was impartial. These pictures are almost pornographic. They look so good. Oh, <laughs> it, it, like it messed with the colors and like moved, like kind of like moved half of the frame off this way. So like your face is like kind of like, uh, what is it? Peter Gabriel in that yeah. one music video. <laughs> like, kind of Max Headroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've, uh, you, have a, you have a deep fascination and appreciation for Max Headroom. I do. And he's a very, uh, I'm sorry if anybody's a fan, a very cheesy low budget thing but it's also interesting for how it actually worked um it was like this kind of if you're explaining to somebody that has no idea who max headroom max is what the hell would you even say joe do you know max headroom yeah he's like a uh a, a pop culture character who right. is sort of like the first popular digital person celebrity exactly yeah. wow, that was like as to the point and as he had a show be. right yeah. Yep. It, yeah the literal sense yes and now there's also there's also a thing i don't know if this is max hedrum i might be something else uh, for some reason it's either max hedrum is there a connection between max hedrum and that moon with the sunglasses and the mcdonald's commercials there's some oh. there's some kind of a famous thing where like like TV stations in Ohio got taken over oh. for a short time. Is that yeah. Max Hedrum? Yes. Yeah, so so okay. and they still haven't caught this guy. This is like this is the best Max Hedrum. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Max Hedrum became a symbol for like a real in real life like a cyberpunk kind of like uh, a yeah. symbol. And people sort of like adopted that. It's and, like anonymous. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of deal with the guy yeah. Fox mask. Right. But it was this one guy, or maybe more, uh, who 
and this we're talking about like 80s so we're talking about like broadcasting systems of that time he was able to hijack and take over multiple people's like tvs mm-hmm. and he's wearing a max headroom face oh mask. yeah that's right he's wearing a mask yeah oh, it's fucking weird it's that's so weird <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's weird like when you're when we were kids we're like oh that's cool and then when you're yeah. older you're like that's dystopian as fuck right yeah. no you have to like when you when you're older you kind of like are, are kind of in shock like oh shit and yeah. is there is there is there a voice or is there just like text on the screen or something there's like a message I think it, it, isn't it's, there it's a, some kind of weird harmonizer effect that the guy put okay. on his voice so you, uh, you, you uh, can't uh, make uh, out his real like vocal yeah. identity um I mean there's it's supposedly they have never found this guy yeah yeah so but you've given uh, usually I've been able to find that on YouTube anytime I've ever wanted to watch it again yep. so just look on YouTube but yeah, why are we talking about Max Headroom? <laughs> I have an obsession uh, with, okay. uh, with with like a yeah. You know, you know all about that one, man. You you broke that story right down. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a cool conspiracy. I love that. I love that thing. Yeah, I'm a sponge for weird shit, weird yeah. information. I mean, we could probably go toe to toe on like really obscure, <laughs> trivial yeah. knowledge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you know about this one time? So, right. <laughs> so back to Max Head, back, back to Max, Max Headroom. Uh, or as I noticed your accent, by the way. What? I, I only get glimpses of your Michigan, Michigan. What did I say? Did I Michigan- say pop? Did I ask if you wanted a pop? <laughs> Is that the term? I, I, I'm learning more about your Michigan, Michiganity. <laughs> Michiganianness. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you said head rum. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like a Max red Hedrum. rum. Not Max Headroom. Max Red Rum. Max yeah. Red Rum. Joe, you're almost Canadian. <laughs> That's, yeah. Hey, that was the that was the B uh option for clearly Canadian in terms of name brand name. <laughs> Hedrum. Almost Canadian. They're like, oh uh, like, we need something clearly. a little just I don't just know. a little further. Just a little <laughs> just commit to Canada. Clearly Canadian. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Almost Canadian. <laughs> it's just kind of like it's not. It's got a little bit. That of was a, like flavored, a, flavored seltzer water. Yeah, and then that, was, the, that just disappeared, and then all of a sudden, just plain seltzer water yeah. became the thing. Well, the thing. This and is, now the flavors are back. This is tied into the Max. <laughs> this is tied into the Max Headroom thing anyway, because that was back in the time for where, for whatever reason, we had to have everything. Every brand had to try their clear version. Oh, yeah, right. that was like Tab era. Yeah, clear Pepsi. <laughs> uh, like everything was like the new version, you know, whatever. Deodorant would be like, you know, whatever. Right. Minin, by Menin, clear or whatever. Uh huh. And remember stick. when, like, when the, what was it called? The, what was that little, uh, the iMac came out and then all of a sudden all of your home technology had to be transparent? Yeah, so that was actually, well, that was <laughs> your early Your phone 2000s. had to be see through. Yeah, it's a little later, yeah. right? Yeah, it is the same phenomena. Like, where one little design thing happens, and then everybody's like, "We have to make every everything other, has to be right." I want everything to be like Jetsons curves and all that. Yeah. It's like we always relied on the case to cover up this ugly piece of shit equipment that we're selling these people. <laughs> What's funny, like, I watch a lot of prison documentaries, and you always see like the, the prison, as one does the prison TVs are always in the clear plastic, so that oh. you can tell if anything's you know that's cool if it's oh. been compromised or whatever. Right, so, but every time. I'm I'm watching a uh, like any kind of prison documentary type of thing that has footage from uh, that kind of thing. It's like for a split second, I always think they've got an iMac in there. It yeah. kind of looks like that. No, it's a little light. No, iMacs look like prison issue computers. 
I bet they sold pretty well. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and had like the clamshell laptop. That was the big deal. That's right. Yeah. Hey, by the way, did you know that uh, uh, Steve Jobs, he's he's not around anymore. You know, I heard about that. I wasn't quite sure. I was going to ask somebody. Yeah, about I, mean, I, I don't know how to, but um, <laughs> but he has become a deity ultimately. I know. <laughs> he's living. He's gonna like. I'm a little bit reluctant about that. I always have these things where I realize there's going to be digital archaeologists two thousand years from now, and they're going to unearth. In the same way that you're talking about restoring those photos and had these slightly skewed but massively affecting variations of your data within, say, a picture or whatever, right. that is how digital archaeologists are going to look at this time. They're going to be restoring all this data from different platforms and different Jittered. things and trying to get this cultural impression of what the hell was going on. And they're going to have to sort through fake news. They're going to have to sort through. Like, oh, man. Like, they're going to have to sort through all this stuff. But at the end of the day, there's going to be a few deities and a few things that really shine through. And and the, the new sort of gospel will be, it'll be S- Steve Jobs. And then uh, the iPhone will be sort of like this. They're going to interpret that as like a, a key sort of uh, religious. Uh, I mean, shit, it's an amulet. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like whether, whether or not. You know, I mean, shit. The the symbol itself is an apple. It's already like exactly. Can be, it's can, so there. It can be viewed as religious if you wanted. Wow. So, I feel like if we had a, a budget and a public access TV studio, we could go ahead and start filming. Exactly. We could play this out. <laughs> you know, and just because I think I think we're kind of writing something right now as we're talking about it. Well, we do have a lot of rubble, so we can really get the shot we need. <laughs> yeah, we can be neo realists. <laughs> Oh man. Well, uh, so we should probably turn the corner here, but no, but uh, listen, like, uh, uh, I know we kind of opened up with tornado talk, uh, but I kind of want to wind up there as well. You see, we're getting back to the tornado talk. Yeah. Though fucked up ways. We will get there. That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope that everybody's fine and good and we're very lucky. uh, What part of town are you in? I'm over by the Music Row Belmont area. Oh, okay, yeah. I used to live over there. It's nice over there. Yeah. So we have we have um, a lot to be, uh, I suppose, grateful for, right? Because holy shit, that was wild. It looked crazy. And um, I'm hoping that uh, this, there's some like scammer, developer scammers are already kind of starting to p- fold into this. And then you've got like... That's um, what I've heard. You've got just, I don't know, the, the inherent dark forces. Uh, and there was an article in the New York Times today. The Nazgul, the Nazgul ride through I mean, with their were, property, yeah. property deeds. There was, <laughs> there was, I mean, yeah, there was Sorry. the gentrification uh, opportunity for these, for these developers right now with people under duress is pretty intense. Somebody's looking at all the rubble and he's like, man, I can fit a lot of skinnies there. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I can stack them up. Uh, but anyway. Mixed use, mixed use, <laughs> mixed use. <laughs> we named our second son mixed use. <laughs> On that note, hey, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, These are my daughters, tall and skinny. <laughs> that does uh, remind me of there was a uh, these two sisters in West Virginia. And their last name was Hog, and they were from the Holler, and the dad had named him Ima and Yura. This is real. Um, 
Anyway, hey, thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> and uh, no, we really appreciate it. Uh, Black Cat, will you tell everybody where they can find your, your music and info on the synth table? You can go to um, Black Cat Sylvester uh, is, will be the tag for Instagram or uh, YouTube. Sweet. And uh, there's also blackcatsylvester.com and synthtable.com. Oh, there's a okay, and this, those are different sites because the synth tables you got the full breakdown there on that. Uh, no, it's all owned by the Sylvester Corporation, so we really don't know what their agenda is. And your your CEO is Max Headroom. Formally, okay. So we don't know. Okay, so we'll just have to have you back to figure out uh, what what this is all about. But uh, Joe, you got any things coming up that you wanna you wanna pitch? Um, oh, if you if anybody wants me to. If you're east of the Cumberland River and you want me to come pick up your donatable goods to help our neighbors uh, in North Nashville, hit me on Twitter or Instagram at Mighty Joe Nolan. I'm on Facebook, uh, Joe Nolan Nashville. And if you're in town this weekend on the 7th, I've got a photograph in an exhibition called Stories of the South at Ground Floor Gallery. And uh, they'll be open for the... uh, arts and music in Wedgwood, Houston, art crawl stuff at six. Awesome. And then, uh, I, I've been, uh, uh, offering for, you know, I've been trying to capture with the drone, any kind of places that seem underserved or underrepresented. And, uh, we've had a lot of people going to East Nashville and focusing very much there, which is great because there's a, a massive amount of damage there, but at the same time, uh, there are other places. So if you're in Nashville, uh, figure out who still needs help, I guess. Uh, right. Just, spread it out and uh thanks everybody and uh thanks black cat it was fun thank you all right man talk to you guys later Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash artfightpodcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone